1: Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade tabletop role playing rules by World of Darkness. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience and will include strong language and mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and so forth, that may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or undead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Rena Henzi, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Good evening everyone and welcome to another episode of Vampire the Masquerade Blood Moon Rising. I am your storyteller storyteller Rena and tonight our coterie is going to continue on the thread of investigations they picked up last time. Some perhaps more fruitful than others, but we'll see what happens tonight. But first, we have some introductions. To my right. Hi,
2: I'm Mike and I will be playing Marcus Voss of Clan Brujah. And it seems that I may have a visitor?
1: Hmm, wonder who that could be. And to Marcus's right.
3: Hi, I'm John. I'll be playing Vince Markovich of Clan Tremere, and uh, it turns out I'm renting from a ghost.
1: Hmm, I hear they make uh, pretty decent landlords. Just a little hard to talk to.
3: Pretty accommodating in most ways, actually, yeah.
1: Well, to our haunted vampires, right.
3: Hi, my name
4: is Tegan, and I am playing Rom the Shaman, and I am desperately reaching out, reaching out, reaching out.
1: But what is reaching back to you? That's the question. And to Rom's right.
0: Hi, I'm Ali, and I am playing Katerina Bogdanovich, and I have people to visit.
1: People, that might be a bit of an overstatement, but we'll see. And finally, we have...
5: This is Tiffany, and I'm playing Alex Giovanni, and I have a Tremere to go scare. I mean, go visit.
1: Oh my. Well, I'm sure you'll be able to intimidate them with no problem whatsoever. All right, so let us reopen on this cold San Francisco night. It is still the same night where you were assigned your duties by the prince, although that night is not going to last for too much longer, so we'll see how much you can get done. So, Katerina decided to go pay a visit to Marcus down in the Union offices where he works. So... Katerina, you arrive at the Longshoreman's Union building, where you believe Marcus works. There are some lights on, which is uncommon in this area at about one o'clock in the morning. And uh, you see people moving around in there, you think. What would you like to do?
0: I'm going to knock on the door.
1: Marcus, someone's knocking at the front door.
2: All right, well, there's more than enough um, union help here to get the door, right?
1: Marie looks up at you. Should I get that? Is it dangerous? It could be. Oh. I step over towards the door. Marie goes up and cautiously reaches out towards the door. You've had some visits from some thugs, let's say, working with some unscrupulous elements, trying to prevent um, unions from forming in various uh, various warehouses and so on. Uh, so she just carefully reaches out towards the handle and turns it and lets the door swing open and she steps back so that you're between her and the door. And Marcus, you see your new acquaintance, Katerina. Huh.
2: Katerina.
0: Hello, Marcus.
2: Won't you come in? I step to the side and gesture to the interior.
0: And I will, I will walk in.
2: Hmm. Fantastic. I shut the door behind her and look at Marie and say, back to your work, my dear.
1: Oh, right. Of course, as, as long as you're sure everything's Okay. We're good? I'm certain. Okay. And she scurries off back to her desk. Greg is passed out from all of the caffeine.
2: <laughs> oh, did he finally give over to the lands of sleep after, you know, the fifth massive Red Bull?
1: More like the seventh, but yes, he, he appears to be completely passed out, slumped over his desk. So Marie is no. at her desk now, working on the other side of the room.
2: Certainly. I'll uh, walk Katerina towards the loft area upstairs, uh, away from the um, the workers. A gesture to the stairway.
0: I'll go upstairs?
2: What? Uh, we probably land in the loft. There's a loft sitting area there, a couple of couches, uh, an end table or two, a coffee table that is likely made from uh, what appears to be Uh, posterized historical events in San Francisco's union history including a centerpiece which is what uh, looks like it's dated maybe around the 30s if you pay attention closely to it and it looks like uh, it's a report that the news had about union workers being killed during strike breaking activities I uh, gesture to a seat at one uh, it's uh, open and available what brings you here?
0: I was l- looking through my records, and the kin of the prince Ah uh, Luis, who was killed, was one of my patrons. Hmm. You see, and I. Found his referral. How long he's been a patron of the bakery and well, <laughs> one of my own clan, the proprietor of the vampire club. But I, since we are needing to work together, yeah it seems most appropriate for me to give relevant information to those of us who are easily found.
2: (laughs) Well, I admit I don't um, practice hiding. It's uh, counterproductive to my work, you understand? Yes. Tell me, this bakery, how long had Louise been a patron of it?
0: Five years, according to the records.
2: It's an awful long time. And do you feel like the bakery plays a relevant role in his demise?
0: I don't know. I wasn't even aware that he was one of the patrons, but Mm -hmm. I do provide a vital service to a large amount of kindred.
2: Oh, what what services does the bakery offer?
0: We can discuss that at another time. Of course.
2: Well, it seems anyway that um, Luther had met with a few people uh, before his unfortunate uh, heart incident. I think it's the best.
0: Yes. Um which is by I felt it prudent to look into what was he wanted from me that's information
2: certainly compiling a list of people who he met with before gives us a picture of his last days perhaps uh, uncovers a few stones might lead us along a path to finding his killer
0: well, you are familiar to the Seneschal and perhaps they will be kind enough to perhaps see if they can provide us with a more extensive list than those of us who were gathered to see his body.
2: Yes. Uh, to that end, I may have... Walked that path a bit already. And Jean was willing enough to share with me a few names. There's a lawyer I am looking into. He is someone who has had some dealings, not only with the Bruja, but with likely some other clans. I'd like to get a, a better look at him. I wonder if you would be willing to accompany me. Very well. I'm certain that your, um, well, keen social skills will be highly useful.
0: Of course.
1: So are you planning to pay the visit this evening in the last few hours of night or?
2: Um, I think it might be. Although I don't have a massive amount of etiquette, I probably have etiquette enough to know that it might be a slight faux pas to call on somebody so early or so, so late in the evening. Mm-hmm. It might be a little bit. Uh, uh, so I wouldn't suggest us going tonight. I would likely suggest to Katarina that we, we would pick it up uh, the following evening when we have more time to, and perhaps uh, I'll have my, uh, some of my workers here maybe get a better idea of his operating hours.
1: Excellent plan. So do you two have any other things you would like to discuss or work on uh, for the remainder of the evening?
2: Um, I think if we're tabling the bakery um, menu list, then not at this time.
0: Then I will provide Marcus with my page number, as I do not carry a cell phone.
2: Fascinating. Uh, I would provide her with what she already has, which would be the address, obviously, the building. And then I would also give her the address of a um, a restaurant in um, a certain Italian restaurant that I may have frequented before uh, where she could uh, also inquire as to uh, my whereabouts. I, I do keep a phone here, a gesture kind of to the basement level, and you're happy to have that landline number if you'd like, uh, ask for Maria. Understood. And uh, of course, I would get up and walk her to the front door.
1: Very politely, of course.
2: Yeah, again, etiquette enough to know you, you don't just say goodbye from the couch, you walk someone out. And also, clearly, Marcus has a some somewhat of an understanding of the social dangers when it comes to
1: Clan Toriador. Indeed. So, what are the two of you, in your separate ways, planning to do for the rest of the evening before you retire at sunrise?
2: I'm having Re look into this. Victoria Llewellyn. As someone who's an accountant and works on books, there has to be some record of her somewhere in the business community.
1: Okay. So uh, Marie gives you a a thumbs up from across the room and her fingers start flying across the the keyboards. And within moments, you have uh, the information that uh, Victoria works at green and johnson which is a an accountancy firm uh it's a fairly high profile one and victoria appears to be the senior partner just Mm. from what uh marie gathers from the website
2: interesting and yeah i i have already um Stopped in Chinatown this evening, so I'm, I'll continue to wait for that to play out.
1: Uh, you plan for pickup or delivery?
2: Pickup, I think, is probably best.
1: So you get a message on your your phone that your order is ready.
2: Ah, excellent. Then that will be what I pick up before um, the dawn arrives. All
1: right. So uh, tell us a little bit about... Uh, Marcus's feeding?
2: Well, I think it's important that, um, eh, like any muscles, that you exercise uh, certain ones when when they're necessary. And I think when you have a, you know, probably a energetic town filled with all sorts of different activities, whether it be uh, kayaking in the bay or, during a Giants game, or whether it be uh, people who run the, the marathons around San Francisco, there's an awful lot of athletic people here. And Marcus is the type of person who enjoys the hunt itself. It's really what gets his blood going. And that is something that luckily his warehouse can uh, afford to give him the space to do and so there is a section there within that allows him to bring certain guests and allow them to uh we'll say compete against a kindred in a sort of obstacle course um we'll say a um, whether it be a parkour or whether it be something just simply more um basic he needs to feel that specific muscle stretch. And so he's very much aligned in an alley cat sort of way. He needs to see them and to hunt them and to get them.
1: Do you take just a little? Do you drain your particular prey after they've completed their obstacle course?
2: Oh, no, I, I think that he's someone who is very much in the mind that someday he will, he will have a set of his own athletes, so to speak. Um, for you can't simply drain what could be a wonderful prospect. Um, you must build a, uh, well, a, a team of sorts. And so I don't think he's the type of a vampire who would drain people humans until they fall limp but i think he would definitely make sure that they got their um their taste of what it's like to go against perhaps a bit stiffer competition
1: tonight you bring back a very lean and very athletic looking runner they're a college uh, track and field champion. They won uh, in their division last year at State. And uh, they are very proud of their ability to jump, to run, to be faster than just about anyone. And they will provide you some good sport this evening. And we will perhaps draw the curtain a bit as Marcus begins his hunt. And Katarina, what do you plan to do for the rest of your evening?
0: Um, I have a journal that I pocketed from Luther's place that I would like to uh, comb over while I'm uh, well having a snack.
1: So you go home and katerina how does katerina feed
0: um she she uh utilizes her own services so she uh she drinks from vials or bags uh you know whatever's provided by her uh her ventrue contact she she's particular to uh she's particular to asian female blood so you sit
1: back in a comfy chair and enjoy some fresh free-range bagged human blood, non-GMO. And you pull out this journal that you liberated from Luther's apartment and begin to read. In general, the the earlier parts, if you take the time to read them, it looks very orderly very between the lines, so to speak. He's, he's He doesn't ramble all over the place and most of what he writes down are very cryptic short messages. So there's initials of perhaps people that he's meeting with. There's a few dates. There's some times. And occasionally you'll see a note appended uh, sometimes you'll see next to a set of initials the word hostile. And then you'll see occasionally potential question mark. And a few other notes that appear to be Luther's own ideas of what to expect from whoever it is he's talking to. But as you read, it takes you, you know a few hours and, and you're getting close to sunrise By the time you get to the end. And the last few pages are chaotic. The handwriting changes, it becomes really sloppy. Some parts are hard to read, some of the initials you can't even quite make out. There's some blood splatter, it looks like, on a few of the pages. And the words blood and the dreaming occur several times over. They're in very bold block letters standing out amidst the scribble. You do come across a list of initials set out over the course of a week. You see MV and then you see... A G, K B, R the S, with a what look what looks like a cranky sort of squiggle next to it. You can't quite make out, but it looks sort of like almost like the written version of a harumph. And then on the night, the the date listed for the night before he died, the list says VM. And then the rest of the pages which should take up you know, he could have been writing in this journal for a few more months if he hadn't died so suddenly they are all scribbled over with this strange sloppy handwriting, these bloody words the occasional reference to a dream It's very difficult to make heads or tails out of it. But you do gather... That, at least according to this book... The last person Luther went to visit before he died... Was Vince Markievich. Understood. And... With that thought, you can retire to bed... As the sun begins to rise. So we'll turn the camera over to Alex Giovanni, who has been doing some investigating of their own. So, Alex, you had a little chat with Trevor Conrad of the Ventru and learned a few things. And what are your plans after leaving the nightclub?
5: Well, before it gets too late for me to be out and about doing my business, um... I'm going to go see Vince. Um, I can't remember if he told me where he was. I thought he did when he was, like, rambling about the haunted place.
1: He did. He did give you enough information you could probably find it. Okay.
5: Well, I will go and visit his, uh, place.
1: With your senses, your clan senses, it's not too difficult as well because you saw the aura, right? Mm, uh, right. So you know about the the fetters and you have a, a strong sense of Vince's aura and so because you know the general area where his haunted bungalow is, once you get in the area, you, you feel it. You, you feel that sense and it's even stronger here. So you're able to make a beeline, as it were, uh, for Vince's door. Uh, so, Vince, you are sitting in your library, having uh, a chat with a ghost, and the ghost has just written down that their name is Mina Markovich. And as you take in that name, you hear a knock at the door.
3: It's so, like, please excuse me, I, uh... at the door, just... I just gotta, just gotta take this real quick. I'm sure it's something important. Um,
1: the pencil goes flying and hits you in the back of the head as you leave.
3: Ah! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ow. <laughs> he he, he kind of like rubs his head as he walks towards the door. Uh, at this point, his sleeves are rolled up compared to earlier in the evening. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, he's, he's clearly been at it for a bit with the books and stuff. Um. He opens the door and he's just like, Oh. <laughs> um.
5: Hello. Hi.
3: Um, uh, won't you come in? And he just like. <laughs> so he just like stands aside and like just gently the arm kind of slowly goes like, Da da. Invite in a, in a just a invitational movement that you can tell he's like, should i be doing
5: this i walk in and uh i greet the room aka the ghost hello how are you this evening
1: oh
3: i am uh, doing okay i wasn't I...
5: talking to you oh
1: a book falls out of the bookcase and lands at your feet uh it's pride and prejudice
5: Um I'm sure he'll read to you in a little while. Um and I'll turn to Vince. Um so I got some interesting information.
3: And he's like Uh I do too. Won't you come through to the library? Sure. <laughs> like his his body language screams Oh god, why is this person in my home? <laughs> um yeah yeah. there is no need to do any roles vince is not good at this (laughs) (laughs) um yeah he's just like oh won't you come through please sure so the library is still probably a bit of a mess from earlier on um there is a table and two chairs and on the floor you do see a coffin
5: you haven't put that in a separate room
3: um, I often find myself needing stuff in here anyway, and, well, I have to read to her, them, I, I still haven't confirmed that yet, um, when I wake up, so most days it's just easier to wake up in here, plus it's kind of like the safest room in the house, you know.
5: <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. I'm gonna, like, dust off the chair before I sit down. <laughs>
3: there's one chair that is very clearly the chair that gets used and one that's just like obviously not It's there's books on it and stuff and you're just like oh I see <laughs> he's like I don't usually uh get visitors um clearly he's just like so um and he sits down across from you and he's like um so I wasn't entirely open earlier this evening um So the reason that uh, that Luther talked to me before he died was that, uh, gosh, it's fuck. And he just, like, sags. His shoulders just, like, sag as he says, fuck. He's just like, oh, boy. <laughs> um,
5: I'm going to, like, reach across as best I can and put my hand on his shoulder to reassure him. It's probably more creepy, but I'm trying.
3: <laughs> I'm imagining it as totally being, like... There, there robotic arm pack <laughs> right <laughs> um, but yeah he's like um my sire was implicated in the the death of the prince's clan brother and why was that well her notebook was found at the scene oh and as you can imagine I Built a need to protect her because she's my sire I've got to so I uh, I kind of kept that to myself
5: okay well
3: but but tonight was the first chance I had to actually sit down and read the uh, the notebook and while he doesn't open it to you show you it he's like He's actually protectively putting his hand on the book and like moving it to the side. He's like, It the contents seem to show a kind of degradation in my sire's mental state. I um I called her out of concern, and I, I'm worried that whatever happened to Luther might happen to her. And he just like looks you dead in the eyes. he says that, and he seems to be very serious. Um,
5: has she talked about dreams?
3: It's like, well, she mostly spoke in single words. Um, you have to understand. Um, my sire is a woman of refinement. She is very cultured. Uh,
5: I like roll my eyes like, yes, I know, I know. I'm hearing the same crap. I know.
3: <laughs> He's like, well, she the way she talked was an awful lot like the way luther talked like she couldn't focus she and he's like she was sniffing the air like an animal at at bay um or at least that's how that's described in books and stuff i've I've never actually hunted in my life um yeah she was she was obviously scared and i i'm just worried that um Whatever happened to Luther is going to happen to her.
5: Okay. Well, first things first. Why don't uh, I put this out there? I am willing to help you as an elder vampire and protect you, since your your sire is out of commission. However, we do need to find out how long your sire has been like this, what the clan is up to. Because right now, there's a nasty rumor going on about you guys. So you're gonna need extra protection.
3: You see his face just kind of like drop <laughs> into his hand, almost. He's just like, oh dear. <laughs> um, Yeah, because Vince has been told Hey, look, we're kind of bad news in vampire society. He doesn't get too much more intel than that most of the time. Uh, He's told that he can't form blood bonds or hold blood debts or anything like that. He he is not allowed, (laughs) strictly speaking, to have any hold over other vampires. He knows that much. Um, So he's a little bit, a little bit like... What's happening right now? <laughs> but also a little bit like that, that's bad I'm I'm a Tremere, and if things go bad for Clan Tremere, that means it's bad for me. He's despite being a vampire for three years, he's still really in the dark as to a lot of how his own clan operates. <laughs> he is he really has been kept in the dark <laughs> and just told things as it was convenient for his sire to tell him them. So yeah, he's just like, well, I appreciate the offer, and uh, what can I do for you in return?
5: Well, why don't we worry about you and make sure that you stay safe? Um, The first thing we need to do is um, find out where the rest of your clan is in this city. You can't tell me. It's just you and your sire, because you guys do. You guys run in packs just as much as gangrel do.
3: And he's like, I've, internally, Vincent is like, I've often made the comparison myself, yeah. But externally, he's like, that, that is not entirely true. Um, <laughs> you know we there's strength in numbers, yeah, definitely but we tend to keep to ourselves, I mean he's like, also, I might not be on the best of terms with some of the other members of Clan Tremere um just, just stuff why? um
5: this is important, we need to get to the bottom of this rumor
3: oh, um, and he kind of like scratches his jaw line and he's like um well the vampire that my sire embraced before me he um he didn't take kindly to uh well what well to me in general um so I think I think he might not be uh, a good one to turn to So, uh, yeah, but I know I know a couple just I wouldn't be super friendly with anybody. You know what I mean?
5: Um, Okay. I mean, I didn't plan on, you know, making super best friends today.
1: Alex, your phone rings.
5: I'll look at it.
3: As it rings, he's like, you're allowed having a you're allowed to have a
2: phone?
5: You're allowed to have one, too. You have to be careful. Who's on the phone?
1: Um, So you recognize this number as um, Vera Giovanni. Uh, Vera is a Tremere. And no one quite knows why she's Tremere. There were rumors about a Tremere feud, um, a a family feud between a Tremere family and a group of the Giovanni centuries ago and that the two families swapped a child to be sired in the other family to prevent the blood feud from continuing but no one's sure if that's actually what happened and Vera doesn't say anything about it but uh, you've had some interaction with her
5: Uh, just just one moment Vince please and I'll answer it. Sure, yeah, of course. Go for Alex.
1: You hear the voice of Paula, who is Vera's uh, interpreter. Vera is deaf and uses sign language. And so uh, you hear, uh, Good evening, Alex. This is Vera Giovanni. I have been contacted by someone who is looking to get in touch with you, and I did not know if it was appropriate for them to know how, so I said I would call you first
5: Very much appreciated Who is uh, looking for me today?
1: A Miss Katerina Bogdanovich hmm. She okay. said she needed to talk to you But I did not know if you already knew each other And if she was someone you wished to speak to I can vouch for her if you need that sort of thing We are very good friends
5: Um, I'm familiar. Um... I can meet her at her bakery tomorrow evening.
1: Very well. I will pass on that information.
5: Also, can I ask a personal question? There's a bit of silence.
1: Uh, You assume Vera is signing something. Uh
5: yes, of course. Um Have the Tremere had any visitors from out of town? There's a very long pause.
1: There has been some traffic.
5: Oh. Well, um family to family. Your visitor uh, might be causing some trouble. Trouble?
1: I will see what I can ascertain family to family.
5: Of course. Always.
1: Miss Bogdanovich asked me to give you her pager as well and she rattles off a number if you wish to contact her.
5: Okay. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Alex. Good night. And you hear a click. All right. So, Vince, you've only heard one side of this conversation.
3: Uh, but he does guess from, like, the last, from Alex's question that he, she is talking to another Tremere. Just because of what she had said to him previously and so on and so on. So he's like, um, I think you probably know more Tremere in the area than I do.
5: Um, well, this is a very special Tremere. So perhaps but Are you telling me you've never met Vera?
3: Just shakes his head. He's like, "No. Should I have?"
5: Um probably. Let me guess, you don't even know where you guys meet.
3: <laughs> he, he's like, "The other the other Tremere vampires meet up regularly?" <laughs>
5: Well, I mean, I'm just assuming I've heard things I've seen things, I don't know if they've changed in the digital age and everybody's you know, doing video calls, I don't know
3: You you look at his face and you can tell that Vince is a little bit upset, the idea that he hasn't been invited to something Um, <laughs> He's like, I bet Cyril gets to go
5: I would say your uh, sire's doing a pretty poor job
3: he, uh he, he's looking down as he's saying he, he, he's just like yeah she uh, she has her priorities she she has her reasons I guess
5: okay well um let's keep in contact and I will try and get you in contact with your clan. We'll make sure that you stay safe. Why don't we? Have you made any traction with speaking with the owner of the house?
3: He points to the papers on the table right in front of you that probably haven't just—they <laughs> look like scribbles—and he's just like, "Yeah, it's uh, we we made some headway today," and he's like, <laughs> just looks up and around the room. And he's like, "Didn't didn't we mean a?" <laughs>
1: And there's uh, the pen picks up off the table and scratches out a long Y for yes
3: and he's just like yes uh, thank you very much for your suggestion about the pen and paper I actually um, I, I don't know I just assumed that when you die you forget how to write
1: there's more scratching and the words dum dum appear on the paper <laughs>
5: I like shake my head. <laughs> you know, they were once people just like we were.
3: That's why I proposed that we maybe, you know, discuss the uh, terms and then I re- found out that uh, I'm apparently more of a tenant than I than I realized and um
5: well, well, of course, I'm sure she's been here longer than you. And there's more scratching and
1: you see 102 years
3: just like I mean <laughs> the, 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 like that number is just like yeah I mean fair Um, again I I didn't believe in ghosts and stuff until I lived in a haunted bungalow so I mean I'm I'm a little bit not sure how to deal with it
1: there's more, more scratching. U, the letter U, a letter R, vampire.
3: He's like, I mean, yeah, but only for the last three years.
5: Um, if I look around the room, can I figure out what the, are there any fetters in this room, like in this bungalow apartment, whatever this is? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so you're looking with your for the auras, yeah. right? So there's still that aura around Vince, mm-hmm. and it's very strong, even stronger in here.
5: Which I can assume from the paper, since they have the last name, that maybe they're related. Exactly. And uh,
1: there is a very old book on the table as well, and that has a glow around it. Uh, those are the only two that you're picking up in here. Okay.
5: So in order to protect her so that she can also help you, you have to keep yourself safe and you have to keep this book safe. That means don't spill anything on this book. Don't let it get damaged. Don't rip any pages out. Don't use it for scratch paper.
3: Vince looks horrified at the notion that he would damage a book. He, uh, One of the reasons he was selected for a Tremere is the fact that he's a huge fucking nerd. Um... <laughs> <laughs> he's like yeah I just like nods he's like yeah that's kind of a given right I mean who, who would do those things <laughs> it's a totally alien idea to him
5: <laughs> well those two things you and this book are very important to her okay bad things happen to her when bad things happen to you two you and the book okay Make sure you. If you say so. I know so. Make sure you stay friends, okay? And what's going to happen now is we're going to go to sleep. You tell me if you have any dreams. Also, I will come by, and I'm picking you up tomorrow evening. We have a bakery to go visit.
3: And he's like, what's, "What are you going to tell me? The vampires have a bakery or something?"
5: <laughs> uh, yeah.
3: He's like, like, he leans across the table real intense. He's like, you mean it's not just weird industrial music clubs?
5: Surprisingly, no.
3: (laughs) He just puts his head in his hands. He's like, she really did tell me nothing about this world.
1: (laughs) And on that note, we will leave you two to finish up your business and uh, go to your separate sleeping arrangements. And have a look at what Rom the Shaman's been doing uh, since the success of his poem at Slam Poetry, Malkavian Night. So, Rom, you are still standing on the stage as the scream dies away.
4: As the scream dies away, I think I'm going to leave the stage. I was told And uh, that it was best if I left. So I think I'm going to exit. But I'm not going to leave the area. One of my goals here was to reach out to the network. See if we could dig up any connections. Anything meaningful. And hopefully scare up some leads. So I'm probably going to stay just outside for a little bit and probably fake smoking a cigarette. probably don't smoke anymore, but I have one on me so that I can stand somewhere and no one will bother me for at least five minutes, except for that I probably have, in the last 20 years, forgotten about any changes to San Francisco smoking law.
1: Okay, but are you really smoking a tobacco cigarette? Really, Rom?
4: It's actually um, it's actually a, a lucky strike that has been completely emptied of tobacco um, and various other aromatics have been fitted into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what they're gonna go with.
1: okay, so you're walking around Castro District a little bit smoking quote unquote, your cigarette. What What are you hoping to achieve here?
4: I'm honestly just going to wait a few minutes to see if anybody decided to come out and talk to me. If nobody decides to come out and talk to me, then I, f- I feel strained enough that I'd probably go back to my house and try to think about what I have learned so far. Try to maintain some semblance of openness mentally. Um, to the network. And I think one of the things that Rom starts doing, um, whether this is an aspect of their compulsion or whether this is a legit way of thinking, he is taking the name Dina forthright and is just running anagrams of it. Um, you, you can tell that he's already like written out, like, third thong fair and then like like gift then horrid and is like doing the best to try to figure out if there's something else but this could just be a compulsion of of roms at this point um from interacting with the network in a way that they haven't interacted before and they're not used to
1: So as you're sitting at home doing anagrams and not coming up with anything particularly striking or useful, there's a knock at your door.
4: Okay. I take it it's been late enough at night that most of the uh, housemates are probably sleeping. So I'll go ahead and... Housemates is a nice term. We'll go with that. I'll I'll go... uh, to the door and uh, check the eye hole first.
1: You look through the eye hole and there is what appears to be seven or eight year old child standing on your doorstep.
4: It's like what, like three o'clock in the morning?
1: Yes. Uh,
4: okay. Um, Alright. <laughs> Probably like grab a umbrella or a cane or something that's near my door, something swingable and but casual enough to, you know, not be like a baseball bat or a crowbar or something. And I'll just uh go ahead and open the door uh with my with my item casually in my hand. Uh you can just off to the side. It's not threatening at all. Um and be like hello. Uh,
1: the child looks up at you. They're wearing jeans and a very thick sweater and got very short hair. uh, And they look up at you with big blue eyes and they smile and you see little pointy fangs as they smile at you.
4: I think Rom says, of course, of course.
1: And the child says, Rom the shaman?
4: I, I look around as if you know, to say who else is here to be addressing. Um, And I look back and I just give a a head nod and a cough, an affirming cough.
1: The child nods and is quiet for about three seconds. And then they look up at you, arching their head back a little bit and they start speaking and this much older voice comes out and you hear I hear you have been looking for me naughty boy it's very disturbing to hear a seven year old child saying this
4: (laughs) absolutely Rom would respond with and, and and who are
6: you Some call me... Dina. You understand... I am... Just utilizing this body for the moment. Speaking through a willing vessel. You're a Malkavian, you get it. Don't you?
4: I get it. I understand. I have some questions.
6: Hmm... Yes, questions. So many asking questions. But they never like the answers I give.
4: Yeah, I can tell you right now, you're kind of... I don't know who you are, but you've got everybody hot and bothered in this town. Seriously, the network's all a jumble. And... Everybody seems a bit spooked. Mind letting me in on what you're playing at?
1: There's this low laugh.
6: Hot and bothered is my specialty. We're not going to have this conversation tonight. It's getting close to time to go to bed for all good little vampire boys and girls and others. And this form is perhaps not the best vessel to speak through. Not for this kind of discussion. And anyway, this one appears to be hungry.
1: And the child blinks slowly and kind of rubs their stomach a bit, the way little kids do when they're trying to tell you they're hungry.
4: Yeah, my hand tightens on whatever I'm holding.
1: And they they blink again, and the voice comes back. Let's meet.
6: Shall we? You can bring a friend if you want. I know we don't like Individual meetings in our clan, things tend to go a bit strange, and with me things are going to get very strange, Rom. You can bring a friend. I'll tell you where to come. But uh, be careful what you go looking for, my dear. You might not f- like what you find.
4: Just as he lights another cigarette, but on his own porch at this point. I'm just trying to keep my head on my shoulders.
6: Mm, Yes, there's many heads rolling away these days. And I see more coming. Mm, If you really want to talk. can But again I can't tell you what you might hear until you hear it. You know how things work with us.
4: Well I know Yes I know how things work with us. Rom probably says resignedly. If if that's a word.
6: So many sights, so many things to see. Maybe you'll know what they mean. Maybe you won't. It's not my job. We'll see.
4: I'll uh, I'll find a second. Where is the location? Where are we meeting? When, where?
6: Tomorrow night. Or the night after. I'll send you a message where I'll be there both nights, I suppose. I'm not in a hurry, but you might want to.
4: Somewhere public-ish, I hope.
1: And there's this low, trilling laugh. My dear Rom, what
6: do you take me for, a neonate? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to insult you.
4: I'm just trying to... not walk into a building I don't come out of.
6: Like I said, you can bring a friend. Or more, if you feel like you need it. I will.
4: Yeah, Rom wants to curse under his breath.
1: (laughs) Good night, Rom. And the child just sort of blinks and then turns around and takes off running down the street. Um, And you can see them almost loping, almost running on all fours uh, as they go dashing after what looks suspiciously like a small dog.
4: Gotcha. I think Brom probably, as they go inside, just kind of says to themselves, it's just like, mockingly a little bit, just come out and play. I'm going to close my door and I'm going to attempt to contact the rest of the group.
1: Who are you trying to contact and how?
4: Hmm... Uh, Let's see here. Which one's the scariest one?
1: Well, Marcus is a Bruja, and they're known for physical force, but uh, Alex was a kind of of creepy talk to the dead, that sort of thing, so...
4: Alex is the one that probably scared me the most, so we're going to reach out to Alex.
1: All right, so... It's going to be a little difficult to do, so you're going to have to go through one of your clan contacts to just get the information.
4: Absolutely. Uh,
1: So, Alex, when you get home, uh, you find a note with a phone number on it waiting for you.
5: Does I have a name? Mm -hmm.
1: The note just says... Someone calling himself a shaman? Question mark? Question mark?
5: Okay. Well, I will um, leave that on the table so that I know when I get up the following evening to give the shaman a call.
1: Excellent. So we will draw our episode to a close as all of our coterie you take themselves to their beds coffins yoga mats whatever it is they sleep on throughout the day and we will see you all for another night of adventure next time thank you and good night